1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
3: I'm Sheila Shoiger, and this is Ready to Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognize, others you might not, But my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. In this episode, I speak to the truly wonderful Sarah Nicole Landry. She's a body acceptance advocate. She's a speaker, a writer, an occasional model and podcaster, better known online as the bird's papaya.
1: Now I'm two years postpartum and and now I'm speaking from a space of I'm actually very uncomfortable in my body but look at me show up in this world because I'm actually the happiest I've ever been. My body has changed so much. I don't have, I don't have loving feelings towards it in the sense of like, oh my God, I look so good. I look so great. I am all these things, but just, I love my body for how it's carried me through all of this. I think that the answer can't be that our body is the is, is like the equation to get us happiness. And so I've really just been in this state of how am I going to show up in discomfort? How do I show up to live my life fully where I am right now? Because it can't always be I'll enjoy it when. Sarah
3: Nicole is married to Shane and she's the mother of four kids She has three teenagers from her previous marriage and their daughter Lemmy is two and she's one of the most important voices right now on diet culture and body acceptance and her Instagram page alone has 2.3 million followers In this conversation she covers a multitude on the topic so if you want a feel good episode that will potentially give you goosebumps as it did for me on quite a few occasions this is the pod for you Sarah, thank you so much for saying yes to being a guest on my podcast. I am extremely honoured and excited and delighted that you're here. I really am.
1: I'm so excited. I mean, I think it's always exciting when you get to go and talk into different spaces and meet new people and have conversations. Who knows who may be listening and what might come out of it today. I just think it's exciting. So thank you.
3: Well, you've helped me personally in a huge way. Mm. over the past few years to feel better in my own skin, accept myself a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you've done that for so, so many of us. So I can I speak for a lot of people and certainly my pals, when I told them that you were going to be guests in the podcast, they were very <laughs>
1: excited. <laughs> oh, that makes yeah. me happy.
3: Yeah. So to understand, I suppose, where you're at now, I suppose we really have to understand mm-hmm. where you came from. And it hasn't been a straightforward are an easy road for you. You have had a lot of challenge along the way. So I'd love if you could bring us back a little bit Mm -hmm. so we could get to know the Sarah that was. Mm I don't know where you want to start, but I'm guessing you know, a mother of young kids, yep. uh, would be a good place. Would that be a good place to go? Yeah.
1: I mean, we can go back there because I was a very young mom. I got married initially at 19 and got pregnant at 20. And I had three kids by the time I was 25. And I really poured my identity into my kids and how they were doing and sort of got lost in the mix a little bit there, of course. And I was living away from home at the time after having these three kids. And I had been, uh, probably like now I look back on it and I was like, I was a size 12. Like I wasn't, I wasn't even when I look back on my childhood and like the way I felt about my body, I always was so just had a lot of shame around the way I looked that I was bigger than my friends, that it was like constantly this thing that was brought up and that I was teased for. And I look back and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like I was literally wearing straight size clothing. I like, I just can't believe that I had so much shame around my body. But when I got pregnant with my kids, um, obviously you go through, you know, weight fluctuations. I had gained weight after giving birth. I didn't gain weight during the pregnancy. I always gained weight afterwards And so I would love being pregnant. I really struggled with my body postpartum. I had all of these stretch marks that I hadn't seen other people have. So that was a huge, like, even on my maternity photos, I would have them, like, blurred out because I was just had never seen them before. I was very, very embarrassed. And so after being a mom of three, I was in my late 20s, and we had moved back home to my hometown. So all of a sudden, my body issues just became so big because I was just now having to face people from high school. I was running into them at the store. I also was, you know, I'd been blogging for a while and social media had started to shift. We saw Instagram start to rise and it was no longer just pictures of your home and the meals. It was like you. And so all of those insecurities mixed with moving home, I decided that I was going to lose weight. Now I had gone through this a million times before. I don't even remember a time in my life that I wasn't on some sort of a diet. I just, it was very normal to be as a teenager for me. I was, and I remember it very clearly. Just everyone was always so happy for you when you were on a diet. It was like, oh, that's, it, it was always such a positive thing. But this time I didn't really have a lot of money. So I only could really download an app that told me what to eat in a day. And I was, uh, starting exercising and it just slowly creeped into an obsession because combined with actually losing weight, there was social media that was so happy for me losing weight. And I started to get this, uh, notoriety and fame from losing weight that I had always, as a, at this point, I'd been blogging for probably seven, eight years and never really getting much traction on anything. Now I'm losing weight. Everybody loves me for it. And I'm gaining all these followers. And at the same time there is like this buzz in the background of my brain which is the the smaller I'm getting I'm not feeling better. I actually am thought I was doing this so that I could show up in my life that I could, you know, be a more active participant that I would just get rid of all of this shame that I've been carrying around and that I would go and live life happier. I mean, that's all we see. We see a before picture and we see an after picture and the before is always so sad and the after is so happy. And here I was putting those out there. I was putting these before and afters out there. I had lost over a hundred pounds. I looked unrecognizable from myself before, and I had a very severe... Uh, disordered eating, it was never fully diagnosed because I did not seek it out. And I was obsessed with exercise. I was obsessed with changing my body. I was obsessed with editing my photos. And I was terrified to leave the house because I was so scared of anybody actually seeing me in case I looked different from who I was online. So all of these things that I did to, to sort of try and give myself freedom to live. And all of these things I did to love my body was actually me just hating myself into a corner. I wasn't participating as much as I had before. And now I'm going through a divorce. I'm going through all this stuff. I'm rock bottom. And all anybody looks at me and says is, oh my God, congratulations. You've lost all this weight. You look so amazing. My life was in shambles. Like I was in the worst place of my life. And that's, I think, when the big light bulb went off. And I thought, you know, I I can't keep going down this path I'm going to have to, especially after the divorce, I really struggled with stress and um, not nourishing my body enough and really just using exercise almost as like an obsessive outlet to the point that I, I got quite, quite thin. And I knew I was going to have to gain weight. And my discomfort around that was so strong that I knew that I needed to do something. And there was all of these women that I was following online, or I kept seeing in the explore page who had also formerly lost weight. And now were, you know, really come face to face with like, that didn't actually, that didn't answer all of their life's problems. Like that didn't, that didn't make everything better. And we have to really look at the root cause of, how we're feeling and what it means to really love ourselves and what it means to show up in our life. And so that sort of began my work in talking about body image and loving ourselves. And then I was like, uh, I felt like I had healed from it all. I was like on the top of my game. I've got millions of followers who follow me for this body confidence and like self-love. And then I got pregnant and then I had prenatal depression. And then I was put on Mm -hmm. pelvic rest and then I gave birth, and then I gained weight again, as I always have after giving birth. And now I'm two years postpartum, and, I, I'm, and now I'm speaking from a space of I'm actually very uncomfortable in my body, but look at me show up in this world because I'm actually the happiest I've ever been. My body has changed so much. I don't have I don't have loving feelings towards it in the sense of like oh my God, I look so good. I look so great. I am all these things, but just, I love my body for how it's carried me through all of this. I think that the answer can't be that our body is the, is, is like the equation to get us happiness. And so I've really just been in this state of how am I going to show up in discomfort? How do I show up to live my life fully where I am right now? Because it can't always be I'll enjoy it when, so that's where I am right now. That's what I've been preaching on right now. That discomfort, that uncomfortable space and finding that confidence that we all think that we need to go and find, but is so inherently in us and stepping into those spaces, stepping into that discomfort and figuring out how to show up in our lives in a really meaningful, powerful way. And the more we do that, the less distracting our bodies are and the less they keep pushing us into that corner
3: that's such an interesting message that i've heard you speak about on numerous occasions that you know we do allow at times how we look and how we feel in the body that we're in to, to prevent us from being present and it's not about as you said necessarily about fully if if you're not fully at ease with how you look physically it's not about that you have to 100% love how you look mm-hmm. but it's about how can i help myself so that i can do the thing be it getting into a swimsuit or a bikini and going for a swim with friends or kids or whatever it is. But do the thing that you want to do. Make yourself feel comfortable enough so you can do it. And I love that messaging. I think that's really important.
1: I, I think it's, it's really key what you said there too, because we're not, we don't want to come to a place where just, we feel like we're failing at loving ourselves, right? Like, Oh, I'm so Hmm. like, I failed again. I don't love what I look like today. Therefore I'm a failure at self-love. I'm a failure at confidence. But what you said is really important because it is about not just, if we just tell everyone to wear the bikini, half of everyone is going to stay home because they're not there yet. So what do we do in that time in between where, or even for me, like one day I'll be like, yes, bikini, give it to me. I'm ready. Let's rock it. Let's go. And then other days that inner voice is so loud that all I can do is how can I make myself the least distracted? Maybe that's a one Mm. piece. Maybe that's wearing a full sweatsuit to the beach. Does it really matter as long as you show up? Because I think the more we have this conversation, we come to realize in our own inner thoughts, like there's an event that I'm invited to this week. And in my head, I'm like, Ooh, I haven't seen some of these people for a few years, they're going to see me at a larger size, and it makes me want to stay home. So now I have to go now. I have to. Now I have to be there. Because I have to push through those feelings. And I think that's the I'll probably wear something that makes me incredibly comfortable. I'll probably wear something mm. that makes me not so distracted. And other people will submerge themselves like when they're feeling uncomfortable, they'll go full blown, I have to go wear the bikini now, because now that's how I'm going to reset my brain in, in finding that freedom again. But I think that that power of that choice is so important on the path to loving ourselves because not everybody is there 100%. So when you're struggling in that in-between, you need to be able to find those ways to navigate that in real time, which isn't always going to be that bandage solution of, okay, there's my confidence, let's go. But instead, all right, you know what? That inner voice is being really loud today. I'm going to wear something that makes me not think about my body. I'm going to show up today. I'm going to wear really bright lipstick because I just need to exude some confidence. And I feel like that's reflective of that. Giving yourself credit for how you're showing up yeah. is... Instead of making yourself feel bad for not doing it all and being it all on the path to sort of loving yourself. And I think that's something that I maybe have gotten wrong along the way is just really putting out a message of just going so far in pushing that confidence that it wasn't until I got really knocked down on my own ass that I was like, okay, you know what? It's not actually that easy all the time. And some days are really, really hard. But it's important, especially for women, to figure out a way to be able to show up because we think it's just about our bodies and going to the beaches. The reality is if you don't respect and love and know your worth, that's going to change the way you show up in relationships. It's going to change the way you show mm. up in work. It's going to change the way that you interact in society, in this world. If you feel like you don't deserve a full, beautiful life, or you don't deserve love, or you don't deserve to be held, or you don't deserve, uh, you know, compensation at your work, you're not going to, you're not going to advocate for yourself repeatedly. If you feel this one way about your body. So yeah, it's like a we're all more important than our bodies, but the way that we feel about our bodies really does impact us. It impacts us in all the facets of our life. And I think that it's important that we acknowledge that it can be really hard.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it depends, you know, for me, I, I really feel it when I'm coming up to my period right mm-hmm. before or just in it. I just want to, you know, pull on the biggest... Yes. Jumper we call them here sweaters or whatever, um, yeah. and hide, and there are other times then you know I, I, where i'm just i'm i'm I feel I can be braver, I want to do that, but you know we have to stay i suppose listen to our bodies and understand that depending on where we're at, there can be so many elements at play that impact our decisions and how we feel on a on a daily yeah. basis
1: look I'm literally in the big sweater right now, about to get my period. <laughs> And last week I was a bikini model. So like we, yeah. have, that you're right. We, have, we do exactly, we have to, we have to dress for our comforts and we have to find those little, that way to honor ourselves through the ebbs and flows, even of a, of a singular month, a singular month. Women are so amazing and so powerful. And we also have the most messed up hormones in the world. We literally have to go <laughs> through it so hard. And I think it's like, that's a huge playing factor in it. When I started tracking my cycles, it was fascinating to see how much that impacted my moods my anxiety the way I I thought and looked at my body and then I would like come out of this fog and I'd be like I am the most I am this like I'll dress like in all tight clothes and it's just like we have we have to honor that element of us instead of just being like yeah it's it's upsetting and it's annoying and it's frustrating and it's also like who we are. So I think it's important that we really do and being in tune with yourself and, and knowing your body and really honoring it through that, because we see this message all the time with, especially in postpartum, where it's like, well, you've carried this beautiful baby. And you carried this, you know, you brought life into the world. And we use that as sort of like a, that's what validates your body being the way it is now. But your body since day one has been carrying life. It has been carrying you. And we can't invalidate yeah. that either because our bodies are literally, we think we feel the hormone changes of our bodies. No, our bodies are literally going through it on our behalf, like fighting for us and carrying us every single day. And we have the audacity to sort of disconnect from it and be like, you know what? You're not doing what I want to do And all it's done is just shown up for us over and over and over again. It's not easy to be friends with your body because we do feel at war with it. We do feel feel like we're somehow separated. I mean, even the language around it, you want to avoid diet culture and you want to try and feel better about yourself. I literally get fed ads every single day for how I should be looking after having a baby, how to get, uh, how to get your body back after having a baby as Mm -hmm. if it sort of got up, walked out the front door and went down the street and abandoned you when it literally has been the thing that's carried us the entire way through. And we're just like, I just, And it's also valid. It's valid that we're struggling with the change, right? But the reality is we're not disconnected from our bodies. We didn't lose it. it didn't go anywhere. So that's why I really like talking about, you know, bounce forward. We're not bouncing back to anything. Mm. We're not even going that direction. So we're bouncing forward into a new ebb and flow of our body. And that's a a really important thing, I think, for us to to recognize, especially as we watch our peers potentially um, have very different body experiences in their own postpartum.
3: Hmm. There there are so many things I want to ask you because, uh, I I want to talk about a post that is pinned on your page. I'm going to come back to that if that's okay. Mm, But I, um, you know, speaking about you in your late twenties and now I'm guessing, are you closer to late thirties now?
1: I'm 38 now. 38. Yeah.
3: I mean, you've done so much work on yourself and I know it's constant. We're Mm -hmm. always, you know, those of us who are doing that inner work, it's, it doesn't stop, it's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a continuous thing, but you know, you've come such a long way, like well done for Thank what you've done. You. I mean when you mentioned that there, like you know today you're wearing the sweater last week, mm-hmm. you were mm-hmm. bikini modeling, yeah. you were bikini modeling with another amazing voice and face of, of body acceptance, the the amazing Ashley Graham. So yes. there you are on your Instagram page with Ashley Graham, and both of you looking extremely content.
1: You know what, I met Ashley on a FaceTime call a year ago. And I was excited. Like, obviously, I was like, Oh, my God, it's Ashley Graham. And I burst into tears at the sight of her face and her saying hi to me. And I think that's when I really realized that the impact of other women showing up for themselves, how deeply it changes us. Like it it does do mm-hmm. something because all we're seeing is how to hate our bodies. It's so profitable for us to hate ourselves. It's so profitable for us to not like our bodies. So when you see people sort of like, pushing out a different message or just showing up and they're so beautiful. And so like, obviously she has this like chiseled jaw and the most perfect face I've ever seen in my life. And yes, she's got the pretty privilege, but when I saw her and her kindness and the way that she just rocked everything, it was, but on that FaceTime call, it burst into tears because I was like, this person impacted me, I think more than I realized. And that's, I think an important thing on both sides. Cause we think that we don't realize how much we're absorbing of the advertising and messaging that's out there right now. It's dominated with diet culture and weight loss and you know how Hollywood is collectively slimming down. It's a massive, massive, massive storyline. So we're trying to show up and love our bodies. Every voice matters. Every person, how they're choosing to contribute matters. If we're so for every single person that's out there showing up even in their discomforts or showing up in full confident loudness for their bodies, like that makes a difference, right? So I think I really want to keep doing that because I know how hard it is. And I think right now being in this space of like being the heaviest I've been in years, And then really looking at the fact that I'm also the healthiest and happiest that I've been in years and really reconciling with a lot of those feelings and a lot of that reality. We're just so, we're so taught that being thin is healthiest and that that's the happiest and healthiest you'll be. So when the reality is that, you know, sometimes gaining weight is, is happier and healthier and gives you back a lot of. Life to live, I think, is something that I really wish. I really wish I saw more people talk about. And so, when Ashley Graham has shown up a million times with her changing body, I mean, it does something to you. It it changes. It changes you. And she's changed the industry. So it was it was such an honor to meet her.
3: And I'm sure she feels the same about you because that's what you've done for so many of us as well. So um, you know, I'm sure it's mutual. and you know, I'm listening to you speak. I watch your stories. I, 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 you know, I watch your content on Instagram, and I, I feel so seen. Mm. And it's a, it's a wonderful feeling because I have two kids myself. I'm in. Uh, now my mid-40s, and my body is very different now than it it was. It's always gone up and down in weight. It's always fluctuated, but I've realized the more I delve into it that my relationship with my body has not always been an easy one. Mm -hmm. And I love that message because it's such an important one because often we think extra weight means unhealthiness and I know that I'm very healthy Mm -hmm. would I like to be healthier and fitter yeah of course yeah but I know that I'm in a good place right now with my health and that is a message that we really need to we, we need to start talking about that more and more don't we
1: yeah I saw this woman actually I think it was a week ago and she was somebody on American television and she was like I'm okay having a mediocre body because I exercise I eat healthy and like but I also give myself freedom to not have to be this like chiseled version of somebody. I don't even know all the things she said, but she was like, I'm okay having a mediocre body. And I was like, gosh, that's so the pressure to be this version of perfection. And it only gets tougher and tougher. Like you said, your body really, you know, I, I've sort of tried to rewire because when you say like weight gain and weight loss, they're, they're really triggering words for me, like I find. They just, they just immediately bring me to memories and stories. But when I think of bodies holding on and then releasing weight, it makes a lot more sense mm. because our bodies are really going yeah. through stuff and sometimes they need to hold on and sometimes they release. And I think that's given me a lot of freedom and sort of as I get older, I mean, I was at the doctor not long ago and she Most was dogs. like, well, you're, probably pre pre-menopausal. and I'm like I just had a baby. What are you talking about? Nobody's talking about <laughs> you know. menopause. Nobody is teaching us they're t- they taught us how to manage when we got our periods. They taught us how to not get pregnant. They taught us how to get pregnant and how to give birth and then there's silence. So in this next stage of life, it's there's a lot of unknowns. And I think a lot of women are are aging and feeling that loss in the mix of why is my body so different? Why am I going through all these changes? I just learned a week ago that menopause is a 15 year process and I don't feel prepared for it at all, let alone have any understanding of what's going to happen with my body. And now I'm just fired up to learn about it because we can't just like, yeah. It's just a very hard reality when there's so much focus on one, retaining and keeping a body that you had when you were 12 years old, two, producing children and going back to looking like you never did, AKA looking like you were 12 years old, three, moving through life and not ever gaining weight or losing weight, still looking like you're a 12 year old. Like there's so much pressure to just be a version of ourselves that we're not to just erase everything Mm. that our bodies have ever done. And all the memories and experiences that we've gone through in our bodies, they all contribute to such beautiful things. And sometimes I think we just have to fight for 80 year old version of us. And I do that sometimes when I'm having really negative thoughts, or there's that something that I don't want to go to because I'm feeling really insecure about my body And that's, I think, about the 80-year-old version, because we're all going to get there, where everything sort of looks like a melted ice cream cone. We love her. She's having a great time. She's probably retired wearing a full like velvet. This is just my life plan, my full velvet (laughs) tax suit. And, you know, I think about her because I don't think that she wants her memories to be that I stayed at home because of how I felt about my body the body that I will probably be like, oh my God, you had such a rockin' bod and you couldn't even see it because I know what it was like to be 15 and think that I had the worst body in the world. I remember being 20 and thinking that I had the worst body in the world or 30. And just, there was never a point that I was like, we've got it. This is like, I'm so happy in my body. So if I, if that's not the destination, then I want to do it for the 80 year old version of myself that just needs the memories, like just wants the memories. I want to live for her. And so at that point, I'm like, well, you know, sure, you're feeling a little insecure in your body, but think of the plot. Like, let's do it for the plot. What is the story that we're going to be able to tell when we're 80? Show up to the dang things and go yeah. and do it. So I, I, that's that's just one little trick I do for myself when I have to like get myself out of that spiral.
3: Great advice. Love it. Yeah. I mean, it is <laughs> that thing, isn't it? That our bodies are, you know, it's a vessel. It's a machine. It is a means to experience life. And when yes. we look at it that way... Number one, we're really grateful for what it can do for us on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, all it doesn't that often we take for granted. Um, but also it does take the how it looks bit. Yes. It takes the importance of that out of it.
1: Yes, yes, and yes, that yes. And is,
3: that is such an important message.
2: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
3: So in your late 20s, you have three young kids, you are Mm -hmm. going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. What is the turning point then? Because I know there's a a lot of living and there's a lot of work in between those years. But was there a turning point for you in the, because I know you spoke about that, people complimenting you on the Mm -hmm. weight loss. And that's a really important message because I've been that soldier too. I think a lot of people have. I've gone through situations in my life that have been very stressful. And as a result, I've either gained, well, I've either, what is the words? What are the words about? Wait Held again. on to or released. Held on to or released. And they're not always positive or negative. You know what I mean? That's not mm-hmm. It's not an automatic, this one is positive, this one is negative. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, it does happen often when we are the smaller version of ourselves. That's mm-hmm. when the compliments come flying mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that does something yeah. to us, doesn't it?
1: I mean, yeah. And I, I, I brought this up a couple of times just because I did experience a lot of compliments at a time that I was going through it and really struggling in my body. Not only was I struggling emotionally, but at during, after that divorce, I, I think I got divorced at around 30 and I was living with my parents, but I hadn't been public about us splitting up. And I remember running into people and them just being so happy for me that I was thin. And it just seemed that that was the only thing that mattered. And so that was like sort of like the first light bulb, that maybe that just just sort of the the statement of, or I've made my body the most interesting thing about me, and nobody has any idea what's going on. And then the health problems started to pop up. So I actually at one point lost feeling in my extremities, my legs and feet, mostly I was at work and suddenly couldn't walk. And this was like day three of having numbness, and I didn't actually really realize that this had to do with what I was going through and the amount of weight loss. But essentially, I had lost so much weight that my um, bones were pinching my nerves. And I could not move. I could not walk. I, I was I went to the doctor and he sent me to emerge who sent me to a neurologist. And nobody at any point said, Do you think that you need help? Do you think that there's like treatment? They just said, it's because you've lost a lot of weight that you're bone on bone and sent me home. It really wasn't until years later, but there was a lot of realities of like, I have to gain weight. Like I'm barely, I'm barely getting by right now. My body temperature was freezing all the time. I, it was, it was really getting to an uncomfortable spot. And also I come from a family with a history of eating disorders and I never ever thought that I would be one of them. I always sort of held myself like I was never going to, That it was just never that extreme. It's just a diet. It's just being healthy. It's just this. And reflectively, I look back and I realized how bad it actually had gotten. And I think there's a lot more language and identifiers around eating disorders and understanding. But that rock bottom moment, I think because I didn't struggle directly with anorexia or bulimia, I couldn't see that this was what was going on, that this was an eating disorder. And so I didn't really feel like there was a lot of information and support. But the second time, I have talked about this was about postpartum because when I gave birth, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't think anybody probably would have made a body comment to me, but I saw somebody else who had a baby and all, she just looked the same as she did before, which is there. There's nothing wrong with that. Like that's sometimes how people actually look after they have, they give birth is they don't look like they had a baby, but every single comment on this woman's post was, like snapback queen. You don't look like you've ever had a baby in your life. Like how have you had so many kids? Like it was just one compliment after another. So then I went to my audience and I said, share with me, you know, a time that you were complimented for your weight loss, that you were actually going through something. And there was postpartum depression came up a lot. Divorce came up a lot. Stress, food insecurity came up a lot. Eating disorders all of the times that they had been complimented for their weight loss, that was actually something negative going on in their life. But because, and this is not like, I don't want to say that the person that came out to me and congratulated me on my weight loss was like doing something wrong or bad. We were taught to do that. We were taught to compliment each other on our weight loss. Like clearly somebody is like that, that should have been the goal. Like losing weight is the goal. So we're supposed to comment and compliment. And so now I, I have really learned from that to just not compliment people on their bodies whatsoever, try and, and and it's a lot of like double thinking because you want to say something like, oh my gosh, you look amazing. What have you, what have you been doing? Have you lost weight? These were common compliments that we all grew up with and having to unlearn that, knowing we have no idea what's happened with this person's body. We just saw Ariana Grande come forward with the video saying that, you know, body comments are not okay. She's quite thin. So people are like, get help concerned for you, all of this stuff. And she had to be like, this is really harmful. I'm not actually struggling. And you're making me feel like my body isn't good. And body comments as a whole collectively are just like throwing a dart and you have no idea where it's actually going to land. You have no idea if you're complimenting an eating disorder, you have no idea if you're complimenting yeah. somebody's worst point of their life or if they're actually going through, they've if they've done this intentionally and they're looking for that praise, hopefully they will actually bring it up themselves. They will say like, oh, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working out more. I just try and not comment on people's bodies anymore because I don't want to feed into the cycle of, constant expectation that you are only valuable when you're smaller, that you're only at your best when you're smaller. The reason that we keep friends and we have people in our lives is not for their waist size. Like you're none of your friends in your life, your spouse, your other, you can say you're attracted to them. Sure. But you, if you were to name the top 10 reasons, or even five reasons why you're with somebody or why you love somebody Notice how their body doesn't land on the list. But then when we think of ourselves and our value in everybody else's world, we put our body at the top and we really mm. have to start to reflect back on how we, how we love others and maybe believing for a hot second that they love us back for different reasons than our waist size.
3: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that really landed with me as well. How do we stop, though? How do we stop that cycle of you haven't seen someone for a while and you think they look great. So you want to say it or you've said it and then you realize, oh, I didn't I, I didn't want to say that because I'm feeding into that thing of complimenting how somebody looks. I mean it and it's coming from a good place Mm -hmm. or it's simply conditioned Mm -hmm. um, to not doing it? Like, how do we, how do we stop doing it altogether? Because I am trying, but I've still slipped. I found myself slipping the odd time. How do you slip?
1: Oh, I I did last week. I literally um, saw a friend and she was in a bathing suit and I was like, oh my gosh, you're looking so long and lean. And the words came out of my mouth and I was like, where did that come from? I never would, I would never, but that's the thing. There's like first thoughts, second thoughts. First thoughts are usually the ones that have been ingrained in us that we've learned, we've up along the way. And the second thoughts are us. And so uh, the fact that my second thought was, oh my gosh, I wish I never said that was a learning lesson. I was embarrassed yeah. that that's what I saw when I said it. And I think it's important for us to not aim for perfection, but for progress, to take those little steps to even when we say something out loud and like make a body comment or compliment, really be like, oh, like having that ick feeling is actually really cool. That means that we actually are progressing. When we watch an old sitcom and we see a lot of the fat phobia play out the way that they treat people who are of a larger body in television and film. And you're like, oh, wow, like that's actually really inappropriate. That's progress. The fact that we notice and we're absorbing and we're having these second thoughts is like a really cool example of how we sort of create change in unlearning because it can feel so impossible when you're suddenly like, how am I supposed to get everything right? You're not going to get everything right. But if the efforts of progress, I think, is way better than the efforts for perfection
3: and this is why what you're doing is, is so important because you you know you're a mother of four kids I have I have a boy and a girl and I want to do better for them because mm-hmm. as much as I am good at seeing the good in others and uh, not just on any level right I do struggle sometimes with my own self-talk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah. And, and you know, my partner, he picks me up on it and, and it's good. And I, and I want him to, it's good. And he said, did you hear what you said about yourself there? You know, yeah. because I have little ears listening, yeah taking it in like sponges around me. And I really want to do better for them. I want to do better for them. And and the unlearning that we're doing now, I mean, and it's not dissing the older generation, but I do think we are in a good position now where we're seeing it more and we're willing maybe to do the work.
1: Well, I got this comment um, the other day by one of my followers and she, we were, it was actually about this, like this sort of positive self-talk. And she said, Every time I get ready and my stepdaughters watch me, I always make sure to compliment myself. It feels so awkward and so unnatural. But then a few weeks ago, my seven-year-old stepdaughter finished putting a clip in her hair and says what a great hair day. Today's going to be great. And she said, and I realized, yes, I did that. I'm trying here. And thanks for encouraging me to keep trying. It's uncomfortable to validate yourself. We're so used to just seeking it from everybody else and complimenting yourself out loud is like breaking a cycle of generations of mothers who have torn themselves apart in front of their children. And it's not by their fault. They were, that's just the society that they've grown up in. We can, we can be the cycle breakers, maybe not fully us, but I think that next generation coming into it, I have so much hope for them that they don't experience the same levels of body shame or that seeking out of external validation that they actually look in the mirror and say kind things to themselves, even at us doing it uncomfortably, because that feels so weird to do. That makes me really hopeful for the future. It makes me really hopeful that we're coming into a generation that that will really break those chains.
3: Mm. thank you for sharing that I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna take that with me and it's important to do that even mm-hmm. rather than staying silent it's actually better to say yeah. the thing even if you're even if it's an element of fake it till you make it say it yeah yeah they yeah are hearing it and it's going mm-hmm. into their minds yeah mm-hmm. um so a post on your instagram page um one of the, your pinned posts yeah is uh, it's stunning it, it be like some beautiful photos of you and your husband, Shane. Um, but what you wrote was so moving. And I was wondering if you might be able to to say it aloud for us, because sure. I think reading the words that you had written was very powerful, but hearing you say them, I think would be very special. Would that be okay? Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. I, I love sharing because I um, started writing after therapy and my my therapist had really encouraged me to write down my thoughts. And that ended up being what became my captions and what really started a lot of external healing alongside of a lot of people. So I posted these two photos, this comparison is of when we met and to now and I wrote this I'm 50 pounds heavier than when we met and I think about that sometimes when the doubt creeps in when I feel unlovable for simply changing but then I remember the journey we've been on I remember that this change is actually a beautiful one it's first dates, second dates, the thousands of them more. It's the travel, the taste of it, the laughing till we're sore. It's cocktails on a Friday and curling up on a Sunday. It's been sickness, overworking, joy, and healing. It's having a baby together woven inside of my body. It's 50 pounds of what's made our family. So, when I think about it, and the doubt creeps in, I ask myself, "What would you rather have this life or be thin?" and I smile at him and I look at our life. It's not even a question. I would do it all over again
3: Thank you so much. It's thank so you. beautiful, yeah, it's so beautiful you're really you're very gifted with words um you're an amazing communicator thank you um, yeah, you are, and it is I think. Any of us listening to you can put themselves in your position and try and and feel that way and 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 and, you know, be in the moment mm-hmm. when we are, you know, wondering, will I eat that because mm-hmm. of um mm-hmm. and and get comfortable with ourselves. It's it's yeah. uh, it's it's really important. Yeah.
1: Sure is. And really paying attention. I'm so glad that my therapist told me to pay attention to my own thoughts, because I didn't realize how many of my thoughts were disordered. I didn't realize how many Mm -hmm. of my thoughts mattered. And that even taking time to recognize your thoughts can help you recognize where you need to create change in patterns whether it's how you're uh, experiencing social media, when you're feeling good, when you're feeling bad, pay attention to those things, make note of it and like write down your fears. And I think the more we peel back the onions, the real, the more we realize how little at fault we are for any of the things that we feel about ourselves. And then it feels like a great rebellion to show up and to live in the life in the bodies that we have. And I think that's a really important part of it. But it starts with us really acknowledging what our thoughts are and where they're coming from. And so when I write things mm-hmm. like that, it's really processing through. At the time I wrote that, it was um, I was recognizing that I was going out into the hallway, sneaking, changing my clothes because I was embarrassed for my husband to see my body after after so much change. And when I really sat down and thought about it all, and we had some like really... Beautiful conversations and a lot around the fact that he does not love me. In fact, for my waist size, and you know, our our relationship is actually better than it's ever been. Even though I have gained weight, and I know that's not everybody's experience, but that's not because you're a low quality person. It's because they're they're they are not seeing. The right qualities in you. And it's unfortunate that so many people have to go through heartbreak because their bodies do change, but your body will change and finding people that are along for that ride with you that love you through it. And that, and especially yourself, I think that it all, it all starts and ends with us when we go and we look out in the world and we're like, I just want to find the one. I just want to find that person that I spend my life with. It starts with being the one, like we have to sort of Mm. realize that it's us till the end. This is the longest love story you will ever experience is the relationship you have with yourself. So pay attention to your thoughts, figure out how you need to be loved, love yourself when it's uncomfortable and when it's vulnerable and when it's scary, it is the greatest thing that you will ever do for yourself, even when it's deeply, deeply uncomfortable.
3: Mm. Where does your strength come from? Do you think? And I say that in in the Mm. sense that you strike me as somebody who is very connected emotionally, very soft, uh, Mm. very willing to be vulnerable and um, comfortable in that space. But with that vulnerability comes massive strength.
1: I think it comes from regret if I'm honest, okay, because I lived, um, like I have a fourth child now and she's little and I have to come face to face with the reality of how many things I did not do when my kids were little because of how I felt about my body. And I will never get that time back. There's so many things in my life that I didn't do because of the way I felt about my body or relationships. I chose because of the way I felt about my body. It Mm. is, it, it is, my, that strength comes from knowing the other side. Right. Um, I know not everybody has the perspective of what it's like to lose over a hundred pounds to come to the other side and be like, Oh, Hey, guess what? It doesn't actually work. Um, to make you feel better about everything in your life. There is, so I have that perspective. I have the, I have the regret. I have the guilt. I have the shame that I've had to process and work through from everything from having stretch marks to missing out on memories with my kids. I can own there's no, I said this in a post once, but there's no do overs, there's just moving forward. So if we're going to move forward, and I don't get the do overs, I want to do it as well as I can. And I know that that's not easy. And I know that it's not comfortable. But I also know that it can't be as bad As knowing how much I missed out on with my kids and and in my life, in my own life, and my own memories because of how I felt about my body. And that's what keeps me, that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me wanting to strive forward and uh, staying really, I think, aware of it all.
3: And they've seen this transformation, this positive transformation in you. But how do they feel now about, I mean, I, I, I'm sure, I, the obvious answer is, look, life is better now because mm-hmm. you are happier and a, mm-hmm. hap, a happy mama means a better relationship with with, mm. with your kids.
1: Yeah. I mean, they have, when I started like blogging and stuff, my kids were two and a newborn, like my older two. Mm-hmm. So they've grown up in it and they've seen so many different versions of me. But there was one day I was wearing athletic wear in my house like, and I was doing the dishes or something. And my son said something that really woke me up to how different the experience has been for them. Because um, I used to always be in workout wear when I was at my thinnest. And also it was at a time that I was going through divorce. So I'm just going to go ahead and guess that it was not a great version of me. And my son walked Mm. in and he goes, Oh, what are you wearing? And I was like, I don't know, just like a gym outfit. And he was like, Oh, that reminds me of old mom. I don't like it. And I was like, old mom, what does that mean? And he's like, and he said something to like, well, you were really sad then you were really sad. And he's like, I don't, I don't like it. I like mom now. And I had never realized that he had disassociated me now with a former version of me and that just goes to show that like I'm so proud of the work I've done because I always thought that my kids never noticed how I was sad that they never noticed me being anxious that I must have hidden it so well from them and the reality is they they must have known because there was like an actual there was an actual feeling that he experienced when he saw me it, in a way that reminded him of how I once was. We've had so many open big conversations about life and everything. And, uh they really come down to just being really happy for me. It seems like as much as they will humble me and make fun of me in front of my face all the time because they're teenagers and I love them for it. It's like, this is how I I can have millions of followers and it will never go to my head because I have three teenagers in the house that bring me back down to earth so fast. But, um, yeah, like, I'm just, I'm really glad that if they don't, always hear it from me that they can read it they can see it they can go back on our life and see that progression and I can only create a world in which I hope nourishes their own journeys with themselves and knowing that it's not going to be perfect when they struggle with their bodies when they struggle with the things that people say that they have somewhere to go with it that we can have these big real conversations about it because they know I'm willing to go there with it and I think that I'm grateful that I'm a, a live example of Um, what it means to really pursue yourself and true health not just true happiness and true health not just a not just a waist size
3: you're incredible you are such a gorgeous person um in every way and I think you have given me so much food for thought during this conversation and I know for a lot of people listening as well um, if you don't already follow her, you should. The Bird's Papaya, actually, let's explain, because people might be going, Sarah Nicole, Bird's Papaya, <laughs> yeah. how how did that come about? Because I know you have a very cute reason why you called yourself the Bird's Papaya online.
1: Yeah, so back in, uh, what would it have been? Like 2008, I guess, 2000, yeah, 2008, it was very trendy to have a blog name that was cute. And so my aunt had started a business off of her son's nicknames. And I was like, oh, I love that idea. So I was like 23 and decided that I was going to name it after my daughter's nickname. So it was Gemma Birdie and Maya Papaya. So I went for the bird's papaya. And over the years, people have like dropped their blog names. But everyone, every single time I bring it up, I'm like, do I just want to go by like Sarah Nicole or Sarah Nicole Landry? Everyone's like, absolutely not. You're the bird's papaya forever. (laughs) Like you're never going to shake it. So I just own it now. And it's kind of neat because it allows me to um, also give myself some separation from the world of social media, which is I'm Sarah Nicole Landry and I, you know, run a media company called the Birds Papaya, where I talk and share about all of these things and hopefully also have some other voices lended into the mix as well. And we have the Papaya podcast and yeah, it's just been quite a ride, but that's how it all started. And those little girls are now 17 and well, almost 17 and 15 now. So to think that you know my middle daughter has like uh, it started with her as like an infant in my arms and now she's 15 years old it's just absolutely incredible
3: last question um about stretch marks because yeah. i know there's something that you are all about owning and being okay with mm-hmm. which is again a really healthy message and stretch marks are something that are, are usually associated with with women and with women who have had babies, but we all know the stretch marks can happen Mm -hmm. for men and women. And Mm -hmm. it's not always in relation to having babies. So how do we, how do we, how do we get okay with them? Because I, I'm definitely a lot more okay than I was, Mm -hmm. but I realized that I needed to do a lot of work on the getting okay Mm -hmm. bit.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had them from when I was a teenager, people know me as having them from mostly having babies because that's when they got quite a, much bigger, but I actually didn't even show them until I was about eight years postpartum with my son who is almost 13 now. So I actually, uh, during the whole leap from, okay, if we're not going to obsess about how we look and try and like do this body acceptance, I would do like little tiny peaks of like stretch marks are okay. But it was like a very, how can I show like a little tiny bit of them? And then I was actually asked to model in a NYX underwear shoot six years ago. And I initially said no to it, but they asked me again. And I assumed that they would have me in high rise because we're so used to covering stretch marks. Like you're not supposed to show them. And they put me in this low rise underwear and this photo went very viral. And I remember when I saw it, I was like gutted because I was so embarrassed that people would actually see what my stomach looked like. But then I read the comments and you have to remember at this time back, go back six years ago, five or six years ago, we didn't ever see them. It wasn't part of mainstream. Now in the snapshot that we have now, sure, we see them a lot more, but back then, which is not that long ago and goes to show how much change can happen. There was nothing. I had never seen anybody with stretch marks like mine. So as I'm reading the comments, it's thousands and thousands of people saying, oh my gosh, I've never seen a body like mine. I never knew that somebody else with stretch marks like this existed. And I'm reading them going, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. So it really sort of pushed me into this direction of the, and after that point, so I went from feeling a lot of shame when I saw that picture at first to at the end of it being, oh my gosh, there's like thousands of women just like me that have bodies just Mm -hmm. like me. And suddenly there's this quote that I love that's once a secret is told, it loses its power. And that's how I felt in that moment. It was like this secret, Mm. this thing I'd been holding on to, had now been told and it was losing its power over me that I was no longer terrified of showing them. It was already out. People knew what they looked like. They knew what my stomach looked like. My life only changed for the better. And as time has gone on and as the years have gone on, I've literally been on the side of a bus like, or a transport car with my stretch mark belly on the side of it. And it's just, and I didn't even have a hiccup of negative thoughts. I was like, wow, that's a powerful photo. Stretch marks will always mean to grow without breaking. That is the definition of them. The fact that we have bodies Mm. that have the ability to expand without breaking is one of the most magical things a body can do. And how how much I disrespected my own body by turning around and saying, how dare you? I'm so embarrassed when it's literal magic. It's magic that our bodies do this. And no matter how they come, it is a sign of your growth. It's a, it's a sign of your, I like to call it electricity. It's stretch marks are so 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 cool and so powerful and it's okay if you're not there please let yourself be mad about it if you're mad about it but once you get to this other side and you will and just really respecting the hell out of what they do for us and what they truly stand for
3: you're incredible thank you so much for this injection of of true positivity, you know, and um, and and love and acceptance, it's been really gorgeous. I have had goosebumps on quite a few occasions during this chat, and it just flows out of you so naturally because you're just being yourself. Yeah, you're just being real, and um, and I'm so grateful for all that you do. So keep shining. Thank, thank you for you. your time I know it's really precious and I'm yeah. so grateful that you said yes
1: oh I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share and have these conversations I mean all of that had to have been for something so it means so much that I get to share this story and I get to reach even just one more person that might hear this and maybe just think a little bit differently uh out from it or just start to have those mustard seeds, seeds of thought that might grow into something really really big and amazing so thank you so so much
3: As you can tell, I absolutely loved talking to Sarah Nicole. And if you liked it too, please share it with friends, family, or pop it up in your social media accounts. And support what I do, please, if you can, in all the usual ways by clicking follow, giving a rating, or leaving a little comment. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Ready To Be Real.
2: Small details or big surfaces.